Welcome to a Life of Freedom podcast, your source of inspiration and information on how and why you should choose to pursue your own happiness, pursue your passion, and design a life that fulfills you and makes it your own. And now here's your host, Ayesh LKZ. Welcome to episode 5 of season 2. Today we are talking with Jay McDaniel Conto, a professional dating coach for entrepreneurs who help them to focus on building relationships to fulfill their life and enjoy their wealth. Let's get to the show. Before we start, I would like to talk about Vice formerly known as TransferWise. Receive money directly to your account with zero fees, wherever you are in the world. Hold and convert money to over 40 currencies instantly in your account. And get a debit card to spend in any currency, all with Vice's low and transparent fees. Try it out from my affiliate link below, with no additional cost to you. And now, back to the podcast. Okay, you can start. All right, cool. So I guess a little bit, a little bit about me. Yeah. So a little bit about me, I guess, so for your viewers who don't know. So um, my name is Jay McDaniel Conto. Essentially, I am a professional dating coach. Um, I basically help teach entrepreneurs how to be able to date models, actors, and models, actresses, and influencers. So I think, you know, it's, it's actually, now that I think about it, a really great way to be able to like kind of describe what I do is if anyone is very familiar with Ty Lopez, right? I'm pretty sure your listeners are probably very uh, familiar with who he is. He always talks about, you know, the, 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 the pillars of the good life, right? Talks about health, wealth, relationships. And you see a lot of these digital entrepreneurs and these digital nomad guys, what they talk a lot about is here's how to be able to like build your dream lifestyle. And they teach you how to be able to set up, you know, your work the way that you want to make the money that you want. The problem is, is that once most males, especially get into that field, that field is dominated with a lot of men. So you build a lifestyle, you build a lifestyle where you have a certain level of autonomy. But the problem is, is that it doesn't actively translate into dating because dating is a completely separate skill set from business, even though the skills are instantly transferable that ability to be able to connect with the opposite sex, to be able to build the type of relationships that you want, whether that's gonna be you know, poly or whether you wanna be open, whether you wanna be exclusive, to be able to build that type of lifestyle is very different. And just because you're an entrepreneur with a certain level of autonomy does not necessarily mean that you have those same, that you can transfer those same skill sets directly into your dating life. So what I help a lot of entrepreneurs do is take all of that money that they've made and how to properly set up a lifestyle where they have true fulfillment because the lifestyle that they currently have is just maybe, maybe they've got some health, maybe they've got the wealth side down, but that relationship side, that's really going to give you a certain level of true happiness once you've made all of that money. Cause you can only make so much money to get exactly what you want out of life. You really are only doing it for security. And at some point you're going to want someone to be able to share that with or a couple of people to be able to share that with, even if that's just good friends, if you don't have the skills interpersonally to be able to talk to another human being and able to get that person to subjectively like you, you're going to have a real hard time enjoying all of that new wealth that you've accrued. That's essentially a little bit about me and I guess how, how what I essentially what I do. So I got into this at 16 yeah. years old 
um, just out of frustration and pure desperation. I was, I, I knew I needed to change my life and to turn it around because a bunch of the stuff that I had done up until that point was all just to get members of the opposite sex. I want a woman to like me. I wanted more power and everything I did was surrounding that, but I wasn't really having the success that I desired that I thought I was worthy of. And, you know, fast forward now, I've probably worked for over a decade to try to crack the code of what it is that makes human beings attracted to one another. And because of, I, I guess I want to say because of how long I've been doing it, I see it from a very different vantage point than the majority of coaches that are out there. Since they're going to talk about maybe just, here's some very simple techniques that you can use to go get this girl. But like, what do you do once you get the girl? How do you keep her? Are you trying to get a very specific type of girl? Maybe what you think about yourself as your most attractive self really isn't your most attractive self, at least not for that particular demographic of people that you're going after. Does your social media matter? If so, how much does it matter in regards to attracting that woman that you're after? How much it does what you say that comes out of your mouth? Can that matter? If the girl you're talking to potentially is a feminist and you don't speak that rhetoric, there's not going to be much for you to really get along around. And long term, that relationship may not work because your views are so fundamentally different. People have to start to consider this when it comes to finding a partner that you got to think about, like, what are the things that you like? What are the things that are the real non-negotiables that matter? And are you really the person for that other person, too? Are you both willing to kind of grow? And to be willing to kind of give up part of yourself in order to make a relationship work. And nobody really discusses that. Even things like going as far as trauma and how that may make a huge difference in the women you're going to be going after. And why you might be even experiencing as an entrepreneur some of the problems you keep encompassing with the women that you're dating. So uh, you talk about like having a different point of view from like other coaches. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. so, uh, so how do you uh, like... Uh, focus on uh, you know having relationships or having like a social circle. Uh, so, so this is I'm going to give the give the exercise essentially that um, I would give to my clients, right? Okay. So usually when my client when my clients hop on the phone with me, the first thing that we do on our on the little kickoff call is always tend to ask, all right, what type of lifestyle are you trying to build? And that sounds very vague, but what I'm down what I want is I'm looking for specifics. Yeah. Let's let's look at, you know, how do you want to wake up on Monday morning? What do you want to be doing at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., 12 a.m., or 12 p.m., 1 p.m., 2 p.m., all the way to like when you go to sleep? What does that look like on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? You should have such a clear vision of what you want that day to look like, the people that you want directly involved in it, the things that you want to be doing that make you feel most excited. Um, you need to think about the the, how do you want to, like, I mean, not to say, how do you want to spend every single day, but how do you want to spend it? Who do you want people, who do you want in it? What are, who, what are the qualities of those people, right? Once we've mapped that out, then the next thing is going to be, okay, now that we've mapped out what you want that dream life to look like, the next question is, where do you find those people? Now, this comes down to the research and reconnaissance side, because now you have to think about if these people, if this is the people that you want, you need to go and you need to think about where to go find those people. And the next question you have to ask yourself is, are you the type of person to attract those people? And I don't mean subjectively when you look at yourself. I mean, even the negative parts. If someone, if those people were to see the most negative parts about you, would they still want to be around you? And you have to do a real hardcore self audit because most people will never admit how full of shit they are and how fucked up they are. Nobody wants to admit. Like, I remember um, this was a couple of years ago. I remember asking this girl. She was a really beautiful Indian girl. And 
I was, I was depressed. Funny enough, I was depressed and at a, at a low point in my life. And I'm sitting at this place called Walters and I'm talking to the girl. And I was like, what's the, I was like, what's one thing that you hate about yourself that you'd never tell me at all if you were trying to impress me? And the girl looked shocked. She was like, wait, what? And I was so depressed. I didn't care because I wasn't trying to pick her up. Like I, I really, I really just didn't give a shit less because I was so depressed. I was like, I don't even want to be out right now. And she starts to tell me the things that she was really insecure about. And we were able to have a very honest conversation about how like we try to put on these fronts in a relationship or like when we meet somebody and we want to show them our best sides, one of the most attractive sides. But like, that's not, you're not lit. I don't live with your most attractive self every day. I actually live with the fucked up parts of you. That good side of you is usually only 10% of the time. 90% of it is all your fucked up shit that I have to live with. And nobody ever thinks that that's what it's really like because at some point you get comfortable and the real personality shines. If you're a depressive person, that's going to shine through. If you're negative, if you're kind of mean, all of that shit, if you're kind of a know-it-all, all of the, everything that you think you're going to hide is going to come right to the surface. And that's what you're, that's what you're living with from the girl. And that's what she's living with from you. And every single day, you both have an opportunity and a choice to look at social media and look at if there's something better that's out there. Okay. And that is the reality of the world that we are living in right now with dating. It's a bunch of people pretending to be something that they're fucking not trying to impress people who realistically wouldn't give a shit less whether or not they were to die tomorrow. All right. And if at some point you actually get real, like real clear with yourself about like, this is who I am. I need to change this. If I, I want to be this type of person, if I want to attract these type of people, and if this is the type of girl I want, would she piss me off because of who I currently am right now? Not how I see myself in my head, but how I actually am based on my habits. Do I have unattractive habits is the question. And then you have to go about now meeting those new people. And, and once you get to know them, what you have to now do is you have to dare to tell them all your fucked up shit. And you have to be a little bit more transparent about it. I'm fucked up. I want to be this type of person. And I'm, and I'm trying to broker a friendship with you. So essentially I can be that type of person because that's not who I am right now. Who I am right now, I really don't like myself. And nobody's ever going to start a relationship like that because they're like, oh my God, that would make them like disqualify me. But certain people that are a little bit more evolved, they're going to go, ah, they can relate because I've, because they've been there. People that have done that, done that level of self-work to the, when they realize how full of shit they are, they can go, yeah, I've been there. I, I can recognize that. I know what that feels like. And some of those people are going to take a shining to you. You want those people that it's kind of like dissuading an investor to get in bed with you. You want to dissuade the people potentially you want to be friends with to be friends with you. So then you can find actually more people who will stick with you for the long, for the long haul. Cause you're kind of going to need that. You need time from those people putting up with all of your shit until you change. Yeah. That's what we hire coaches. That's a good point. So, um, so that's, that's, those are the two things. So identify what you want, like, right. Map it out. Then two, where do you find those people, right? Research and recon. Third, you have to go to those, go to those places. And then fourth, you got to start interacting with those people. And then usually you try to invite them to an event that you're going to have no more than like, your, you know, if it's your first one, do it about a month out. And then after that, you slowly build upon that. And those become your friend group now. And if you're smart, you would, if you're an entrepreneur, you bring your, your the date girls you want to date there and the people that you want to meet with there in the same place. So you can double down your time. That's the yeah. four steps. Yeah, that's good. So, uh, so how would someone uh, like if they like have no clear idea about like you know who they want to be or what they want to do? So, how do you help out with that? So here's the, here's the interesting. Most, so every time every time I ever proposed that question of how do people find out who they are or like what they want to do. So when it comes to finding out what you want to do, here's the easiest question: 
what's the thing that you've been doing for a really long time that you enjoy the hell out of that you would keep doing for free, right? Yeah. Because that's usually a thing you're probably really freaking good at because you're drawn to it naturally. Me, whether I was teaching for free or teaching um, out of getting paid, this is what I do. I've been doing this for, I've been doing this. I've actually been speaking, like speaking since I was a kid. Like, and I mean, not speaking as I'm just talking to you. I've always been the person that has always spoke on stage since I was a child. I was the child yeah. who went to the front of the, 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 the school or the pastor and I'd be sitting there running my damn mouth. That's been me. That, that's never changed, right? I'm just older. So that's, I mean, if you want to identify like, like the things that you love, think about the things that you love doing all of the time, whether you're paid for them or not. Because that's probably a decent of an idea of something that you want to do for a living. That's uh, um, also, it's usually the thing that you really enjoy doing, you're usually pretty good at without trying. And that sounds odd, right? Like, where do you, like most people say you have to like uh, develop your craft. There is a certain level of if you're really good at something, there's a nat there's a, a you have a natural affinity for it. Like certain people that are really good at playing music, they have an ear, they have an ear for it naturally. So if they do something in that space, they're already going to be hyper talented and they'll excel past on someone who may have worked harder than them just because they have an ear for it that gives them an unfair advantage, right? If somebody were to, to come and try to out teach me, it'd be very hard just because I have thousands of hours speaking on stage, but also I get high from speaking on stage. I gain energy from it. I do it and I'm like buzzing. I can teach for two fucking days and it, and it doesn't, I don't lose an ounce of energy doing that. I'm a very rare breed of person, right? That's why I can do what I do for a living because I'm built like that for it. There's something genetically in me that, that gives me a predisposition to being a diva because you have to be a bit of a, uh, a narcissist to want to be on stage. I'm a bit narcissistic. I ain't going to lie. That's why I like people's attention. It is what it is. Because if you don't like people's attention, you won't do this. You won't have the balls to take rejection. And people saying, I don't believe you, fuck you. That, but that's reality of like being a, a speaker. You have to take criticism. And that's that's that. Uh, the other side of who uh, who you think you are. It's really, you, you, wanna, you wanna have a very easy way to figure out who the hell you are? For the next 48 hours, get off of social media. Um, get rid of, I'll say even get rid of some of your friends. Go into the woods alone and don't eat anything for the next 48 hours. No food, no books, no stimulation whatsoever. And just sit there. Just sit and allow yourself to dream. And this is going to be really freaking hard. It's going to be yeah. hard because what's going to happen is you're going to feel like this, like a junkie. Oh, shit, I got to do something. Oh, I got to do something. Oh, I got to do something. That's what it's going to feel like. You're going to feel like that, right? And then what's going to happen is you're going to get really hungry. And the ugliest parts of you are going to come out because you're going to start acting like a carbohydrate junkie. You're going to be like, oh, there's no food. Oh, I hate my life. I hate people. This is all the shit that's going to come up right? All of it, every single ounce. Okay. Then once you get past that and you get to this little, this, this little clear space, it's probably about like hour. Once you wake up the next morning, probably going to get to a place you're able to sit there and go feel a little bit clear. And now maybe go for a walk and just keep thinking, and maybe ask yourself, what would I do if money wasn't an option or not even what would I do? Like, what do I really enjoy? What do I want my life to stand for? And really sit there. And because you have no outside factors sp speaking to you, You've got the time to really sit there and think. And that little inner, small, still voice we all talk about, 
You'd be surprised how loud it gets when there's no one else in your ear, when there's no book for you to look at to show you the way, when there's no mom, dad, cousin, social media, magazine, no food, nothing to sit there and distract you from actively doing what we call soul searching. Yeah, like that, without like external stimulus to like influence. Most people can't do that if there's nothing in front of them. Yeah. They lose their minds. Most people, most people like I had this conversation with my girlfriend. I was like, because I sat there and we were just quiet on this trip going to San Jose. And the one thing she didn't like, she didn't like how quiet I was. And I was just quiet because I wanted to see how well, how much trauma would come up by me not saying anything to her. Just, just, just complete silence. And I wanted to see how her mind would play tricks on her by me not saying a word. Even to when she starts to cry, just nothing. Just don't say shit. And it was interesting just watching her emotions go like this. I was like, God damn, we're junkies for attention. We just need something, some type of stimulation. But this is the world that we live in. We're... And this is why people are always looking for outside factors. Oh, I need my friend to tell me what I'm good at. Here's the thing, though. Most of your friends, the reason they oftentimes can't tell you what you're really good at, because sometimes you bounce from thing to thing to thing. Sometimes you're really good at a whole bunch of different shit. You may be good at it, but the thing is you have to think about You have to be good at the thing that you want to do, but you also have to love it. Now, figuring out who you are, like the things that matter to you, that's why you take that time alone. Like what really matters to you? What are your internal convictions? What's your life? I don't say your moral compass, but the things that define you, those things, when you find out like, these are the hard things that I will not change again. This is how I see life. Some of that's kind of your mantra for life. And I'm not going to say that mantra is not going to change because experiences will shape and they will mold you. But that said, you will have a much better idea of kind of the themes that tend to, that tend to revolve in your life because you will kind of see patterns over and over again. Those patterns are, are there to help you to identify more about yourself. When people tend to give you the same type of compliments, those are other insights into who you are, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so I, that's a long-winded answer, but that's the answer to the question. Yeah, that's good. So let's say someone would uh, go through that, uh, find out something about themselves. So how would they like choose someone? Like how would they know that, uh, that someone would be a good for them. Is there anything that you can like? You identify yourself now, so how do you identify people that who want to be? So here, so are you talking about me identifying friends or people yes. potentially I'd want to? Okay, so here's yeah, the both. thing. Yes. Both. Both. So to identify mentors, it's very easy. What do I want? What do I want? What do I want? Yeah. So if I want to go make a hundred thousand dollars. Well, I, okay, that's vague. Let's get a bit more specific. I want to make $100,000 in the online coaching. Okay, that's a little bit more specific. Okay, but let's get more. I want to make $100,000 in the online coaching space, helping you know, this niche demographic solve this problem or get this result. That's specific. Now what your goal is, is to go find somebody there who is doing that thing. Yes. Now here's the challenge though. Most of us, when we're looking for coaches, no one's going to want to hear this. Your trauma subjectively gives you a bias towards reality. Okay. What I mean by that is this. If you have trauma and you're looking for a mentor, you go, I don't like him. He's an asshole, but I like him. You know why you like second person over here versus person A? Because person A brings up your fucking traumas. Person B consigns those motherfuckers. So person B is probably going to handicap you and make you worse. 
Yeah. Because you'll have trauma bonds. You never, ever want to have a coach that's still living in the place of the trauma you're trying to overcome. Because all of his advice will be biased and colored from your trauma. And all he's going to do is reinforce that shit. When you really want to change, sometimes the people who are good for you, who are good for you, are the people you are going to hate. And the reason you're going to hate them is because they don't co-sign that bullshit and you ain't going to like it. It's going to be like this all the time between you and that mentor all the time. You're not going to like it. Yeah. Some of my greatest mentors, I love them, but I hate them at the same time. I love them, but I hate them. And it's because they tell me the shit I do not want to address. Yeah. And when I hear the same thing from a couple different mentors of people whom I trust, because they have my best interest at heart, I start to hear patterns. Oh, fuck, I'm doing the same shit. I probably, I'm the problem. I might need to shift this. And that's, so when it comes to friends, guess what? You don't want to choose friends based on your trauma. If your friends have the same trauma bonds, you know what they're going to do? Bring more of that shit. Here's the other, here's the other part. What most people consider friends are not friends. They're yes men. They're going to make you feel good about where you're at and are not going to call you on your shit. Real friends, a real friend is almost going to be like a real friend is almost more like a brother. What's crazy about that is that friend you were not going to like 90% of the time. If you like him all the time, he's not good for you. Yeah. Because now you have to know, you have to separate if this person just picking at you or if they're actually giving you solid feedback. However, if they're good friends, they're usually going to tell you something that you're going to hear from someone who you respect as well. You'll hear the same kind of pattern of like, I've heard this again and again and again. You'll see patterns. That's the, like that's a good way identifying patterns quickly and going. Okay, I, I can see there's a pattern here with this advice. I need to, to probably fix this. And that's the honest truth. That I know that's not the warm and fluffy shit that everyone wants to hear. That's the truth. Yeah, that's good. So like everyone needs like a, you know. So it says like it pushes your buttons when you like you know find uh, people that would be you know like a reality or a wake up call for. Yeah. So, uh, what would be your third step? So, after you identify what you want and who you want. So, I mean, the the third step after like identifying what you want, research and recon, is uh, so. Here's the part that's funny. So, when I tell people about research and recon, a lot of people get stuck in the research and recon phase. And my girlfriend got she got stuck with this too. She was researching, 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 and I was like. She's not researching the research. What she's researching for, she's looking for an excuse to not like do the thing that she needs to do. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we all do that. We research ourselves into a place of inaction. And like people that are successful, they only research enough yeah. to see the ups and downsides. And then they, they, they weigh up the pros and the cons. If the, the pros that still outweigh the cons, even after the cons being that bad and they still go, they just go. Because you're never going to have 100% the truthful information about a subject to make a decision. You have to make a decision based upon limited information that you have. And you're going to have to be able to like to retune that information that you're learning. So sometimes getting advice from someone who you immediately know, who may be an ex subject matter expert in that area, may be really helpful to, to be able to find the right people. So like I have a mentor, his name is Ben Larson. I love Ben, I love Ben the bits. Whenever I get on the phone with Ben, I never call Ben to, to hear Ben co-sign my shit. 
Ben sometimes will just let me talk through an idea, but a lot of the times he'll be like, have you ever thought about this? And I'm like, oh shit, I didn't think about that. If I'm trying to start something new, I'll be like, Ben, where do I get really good research? How do I do good research for business? Because Google's great, but it only shows me information everyone else is looking for. And it's not showing me the information I actually need to be finding on a subject that's specific. And he'll be like, well, maybe you ask this person. So then I'll start to go through my network of people who can, who can get me one or two steps closer to that proper information. And I'll keep going until I find that person able to give you the answer that I'm looking for. Yeah. But most people, they only stop at one person or two people. And then they say, I've tried everything. Well, did you, did you really try everything like 100%? Well, no, not, not at all. Because there's, there's infinite possibilities. Yeah. And that's an infinite, that's a, it's infinite ways to, to, read, to exhaust resources, right? So that's that. So third thing, once you now have got identified, you've got someone to be able to point you in the right direction. Now you need to go to those places. You need to go meet those people. When you go in and go meet those people, the things you want to be talking about ideally are going to be commonalities. And if you're going after a very specific type of person and you've also thought about who these people are, you'll naturally have things to talk with them about if you've actually researched those subjects to broker a relationship with that person. If you can't do that, you have to find somewhere where you and this other person can actually mesh and find real common ground because where you find that common ground is where a friendship will be broken. That's step three. Midroll ad. I would like to talk about Vice, formerly known as TransferWise. Receive money directly to your account with zero fees, wherever you are in the world. Hold and convert money to over 40 currencies instantly in your account and get a debit card to spend in any currency, all with Vice's low and transparent fees. Try it out from my affiliate link below, with no additional cost to you. And now, back to the podcast. So, um, so do you have any examples for, like, uh, common grounds for, like, you know, what kind of topics, like, you Okay, here's a really easy one. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this because I'm, I'm talking to you. You're a podcaster, right? Yeah. So if I wanted to broker a conversation with you, wouldn't I probably start talking about all of the platforms with which you're probably hosting your podcast? I probably yeah. talk about maybe like more marketing hashtags you're probably going to use to get your, to get your podcast shown. Yeah. I probably would ask you about what other guests you're looking to have on your podcast, right? That would be in the proper vertical for you, right? I'll probably start to ask you about like what camera equipment that either you're using or you're looking to use to make your podcast better. What mics that you're probably using to make your podcast better, right? Yeah. Okay. I probably even ask you about um, maybe what type of um, lenses you're specifically thinking about getting your lighting set up, right? How you transcribe the podcast into maybe audio files or like Word documents that you could therefore um, print out as an attachment. So when you put it as a YouTube video, that people can go ahead and download the transcripts. Yeah. yeah. So I just listed off how much stuff from just talking about podcasting. Yes. Okay. So uh, let's say if someone, so I think you have like done this a uh, lot of times and like it's kind of comes to you. Like, so how would, uh, how would someone like if you meet a new person and how do you come up with those things that do you have to so here's the thing. So, you know, it's funny. This is see when people say, how do you come up with? That's the problem. That's the 
That's the biggest problem right there because it factors out one key point in all human communication that matters. Listen. Yeah, listening. See, the problem is that we usually see when we're, when we're trying to talk to someone who we deem of higher status than us or someone whom we want something from, we get nervous and we lose the ability to listen. Okay. That's where every single one of us end up, ends up screwing the pooch. Nobody yeah. who you're talking to gives a shit about you. They give a shit about themselves. I'm going to, you know what I'm going to recommend? A really good book. It's an old school book that a lot of people have glossed over, but it is one of the best business books and the best books on people that you will ever read. And it is really simple because the whole book is stories. So even a five-year-old can figure out how to be good with people after reading this book. Ready for, ready for the book? Yeah. Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Shocker. Shocker. Wow. That book is the best. That book right there. Warren Buffett met his wife. Dude, he met and married his wife because he was going through Dale Carnegie's class, had the book, and got her from executing the principles. And the book talks nothing about attraction at all. It just talks about how to get people to like you. Yes. How do you feel to enjoy your company? Guess what? Everything in that book is about other people. You have two ears and one mouth. Do twice the amount of listening as opposed to how much talking that you do. See, See, we're so selfish. And we think we matter so much. That's why we struggle to connect with other people because we're thinking about, oh shit, what am I going to say? As opposed to what is the, what's the other person's body language telling us? Are you, are, you, are you thinking about how you feel, how nervous you're feeling? Or instead, are you, are you, put, are you focusing on what is this other person telling me? So you don't even realize this right now, but I'm watching you from the camera. You know, the first thing I see, you're, you're demonstrating kindness you don't even realize that dogs do this when they want to show unconsciously that I found a friend. They tilt their head like this. If I want ah. to build rapport with you, all I have to do is this and start to smile a lot more and nod. Okay. And look what you're doing. See that? See that? You're yes. smiling back. Yeah, look at that. You got that big ass cheesy grit. That's that was that's easy. Yeah. But see, I'm noticing that why because I'm not paying attention to how I'm feeling. Yeah, you're looking at the other person. Yeah. I'm actually watching you. I can't be focusing on how I'm feeling and being present with you at the same time. They're diametrically opposed. This is why people talk about doing meditation and breath work is to make you present, is to bring you back into the current moment. So the other person that you're speaking with, you're actually paying attention to them. There's all these fancy lots I can just give you for what to say, or I could simply just tell you even more simply, just listen and watch the person and get curious. Start asking yourself if they like if they if you, like if you tell me something about you I'm, I should be thinking what does that tell me about them but also how would I feel if I was in that situation and imagining what I would be feeling in those imagining the situation like hmm he's a podcaster I know he was he went to Robbie's podcast not that long ago he was featured on there it was because his audience is entrepreneur I know Robbie has a very similar audience Robbie made an introduction so I'm like okay so his whole audience base is probably entrepreneurially based which means more than likely for him, he's probably in that space and he's, he's trying to add value to his particular subjects. Like, okay, so what, what would, how would I feel if I was running a podcast? Cause I don't know exactly where you're at in your podcast. You'd be like, oh, what would, how would I feel? I'd probably be stressed. Cause I'd be like, I do a lot of shit I have to do. And sometimes it'd be like, 
trying to move my schedule around to make stuff work because my attendees sometimes will move their time, me being one of them. And I'll, and then being like, shit, like, I uh, hope this is going to take off and probably being insecure about like the equipment that you have and wanting something better and thinking, am I doing enough? Is this really going to take off for me? Is it going to actually translate into money? Cause these are all the thoughts on, like, I think about my, I'm thinking about myself, like what I think about that, maybe you'd be thinking about the same thing based on what I was just doing. Would that be pretty accurate? Maybe some of the thoughts you might've had. Yeah. yeah that, that could be So all I did was just what? How would I feel? Yeah, be, How would I feel yeah. if I was in your shoes? It's called empathy. See, the world we live in is too goddamn selfish. That's our problem. That, that's our problem right there. Because in the West, it's all about I, me, mine, and that we fucking matter. And that's exactly what we all suck with. We, the West, we suck with people because we're too goddamn individualistic. Yes. Yeah. So that's uh, a... That, 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 like, that's the... that's Those are the... I don't really think about what I'm ever saying. I'm usually paying... I'm usually paying attention to like, what's the, uh, what's their, what's that person's body telling me? How would I feel if I was there? I start to like watch them and study them while I'm talking to them. And that's all I'm doing. And I'm just guessing, I'm looking at their clothing. I'm like, hmm, they chose to wear that. Maybe why'd he wear that? Well, he wore those glasses. Why'd he decide to wear those? That's interesting. Must be a reason behind that. I get curious yeah. because that curiosity has to prompt me with a bunch of questions to therefore start to ask. Um. So uh, you talk about uh, meditation. Uh, can can uh, do a little bit about that? Oh, so I mean, from a, from the whole purpose, the whole purpose of the function behind meditation, it's to help you to relax, yeah. and it's meant to activate parasympathetic tone, which basically is the rest and digestion part of your central nervous system. The more that you can be in a parasympathetic state, the more calm that you'll be, the more present that you'll be as well. Because for the most part, most of us usually are running on these operating systems out of fear that cause us to not pay attention to the other person's subjective that we're talking to. And that's where a lot of us struggle. We usually run into some issues there. A smarter thing to do essentially is to start to try to, I'm going to say start to cultivate that awareness, but you start to meditate and do breath work. So then you can train yourself to be calm. Even then it's still going to be a challenge because to train yourself to be calm. The majority of the time is a lot of work that you're going to have to engage in to start to train yourself to be calm most often. But also it's, it's, it's also your environment. I mean, if you're around a bunch of negative people or things that are constantly putting you in the state of being afraid, it's you're going to be primed for being afraid. So you need to be ingesting things that put you into a state of being calm. So that way the majority of the time that you're calm, because what you listen to either via your friends, via the stuff you're listening to online or reading, if it's negative, it starts to feed you and it starts to prime your central nervous system. Because when we read stuff, we try to, empathize with the character the only people who can't yeah. do this are sociopaths because they, they 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 lack the ability to be able to um to empathize with other people try to, to think about things from their perspective they can't do that they lack that ability so um so we we came through the like three steps that we talked about like you're finding yourself and understanding yourself friends and um, like people that are good for you and uh, how would you get to know them and uh, be associated with them. So what would be the other step, like keep that relationship going? So the biggest part about keeping that relationship going is is it comes down to adding value and adding value in just FaceTime. So once you... Once you find the commonality that you have with that person, you want to invite them to go do the thing that you have the commonality around because typically they're going to be more prone to wanting to do it. Yeah. That's number one. As you hang out with that person, you're going to want to talk about things that fundamentally 
you both enjoy, but also a lot of things that they enjoy. Because if they're having a conversation with you that they enjoy, they're going to start to associate over time as enjoying their time with you because you were talking about things they enjoy talking about. And I don't want to get into the neurochemistry of it, but essentially whoever's triggering the most positive neurochemical response to themselves wins. So I'm talking to you and you're smiling and you're laughing a lot because we're talking about things that you enjoy and that you love. And we're hanging out all the time doing stuff that you enjoy doing. A relationship is therefore going to be brokered because I'm doing things that you love to do. And people would go, some people are going to go, that's, that's inauthentic. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. No, everyone who looks at you, the people even who like you right now, what you deem as authentic is really just a habit. And the other person is attracted to therefore those habits. Sometimes those habits are negative. Sometimes they're positive. So if we're talking about being um, authentic, none of us are ever truly authentic just because me authentically being myself would me would be me showing up here naked because I don't really like clothing that much. But for the sake of being on this podcast, I have to inauthentically put on clothes. Okay. So, so, and I use it as an extreme example to illustrate the point. So people can stop arguing about this authentic authenticity thing, because you're never truly authentic with everyone at your meeting, because if you are, you're just pissing a lot of people off because <laughs> not everyone's going to vibe with that, that brand of authenticity. I can promise you that. Mm. Like, you know, when you like interact socially, there are, you know, there are social rules. Some kind of a standard to Okay. Yes. <laughs> There's a base level of inauthenticity that is required for us to not kill each other. <laughs> yes. So, so, um, that there, there's that, <laughs> that's my recommendation. So I'm, I think about my business mentor, right? If I was the, if I, cause I know Ben, Ben was telling me recently about going to the cigar lounge and kicking back and relaxing. And when I was talking with Ben, I remember thinking about, I was going, and I was thinking when we were talking right now, I was like, hey, you know what? If Ben enjoys cigar lounges, if I ever go to Michigan to go hang out, go, go hang out, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to say, yo, let, let's go check out that cigar spot that you, that you specifically love going to. And I know you don't smoke, but you had told me that the only reason that you even go is just because you like to feel fancy. And if you only have the membership just to say, I have the membership and I can afford to go, even though you don't smoke cigars. And I was laughing because that was so similar. I felt so similar that I would do that. I'd have a membership to a cigar lounge for the networking and yeah. I, don't, I don't drink or smoke cigars. I would so just go just so I can say I go. <laughs> like there's no, because I like the networking. That's what I care about. And I thought that was funny Cause I'm like, if I was to go hang out with Ben, we would enjoy very similar things. Like, yeah, let's go to, the, let's go to this really ritzy place to relax, even though we don't drink or smoke just yeah. because we can, <laughs> cause I know he's going to enjoy that. I know that me and Ben are going to enjoy talking about legal and, and tax structures in business. We're going to love talking about um, different business things and business ideas and things that he's working on. Why? Cause he loves stuff. He loves talking about investing, right? I love talking about the type of stuff with him. So we have a, a real commonality around that. But that's what we're going to talk about. I'm going to talk about, you know, his wife, Carrie, and his kids, because I also want to expand the realm of the things that we enjoy, because if he starts to change and I want to keep the relationship, I have to somewhat change with him or at least be willing to broker a relationship with him in a different manner. Like I'm, like, I'm not single. I just don't have kids. He has kids and he's married, right? There's only so much that we can directly bond off of. But if I want the relationship, I have to be willing to change some things to broker that friendship with him. Yeah. 
Um, That's how you keep the relationship going. Yes. So, um, so let, let's go back to uh, where we started. So you talk about uh, being a dating coach for entrepreneurs. And um, so how do you got started with coaching? And like, uh, when do you switch from like, you know, doing this practically for yourself and how? So the, the part that was crazy about me becoming a coach, people like someone go, how'd you get started? Well, it was very hard because <laughs> I'm not going to lie and say it was easy. Yeah. But when I first got started, I was teaching for free. I was, I would, I would write, I would literally write articles. Yes. So I would, co- I would coach for free. I would write articles. I would coach for free. And I would do a lot of podcasts like these, but back then they didn't have podcasts. So there was these forum groups and a friend of mine had this show. Yeah. His name was Godfather at the time. And I would, I would go out to the clubs. I would, I would always write like my, my field reports of me going out and and having these successes and my failures, but I would make them hyper entertaining. So people started to enjoy reading my shit because of my sarcasm and how I'd write. So I would write like that pretty often. And I would um, also give, I would give advice. I'd write, you know, articles along with my thoughts. I would write my field reports. I would do some of these little podcast interviews. And then me and my other friend, we started like our own kind of show and we just had people on and we would just talk about dating a lot. And we were just curious and just learning all the time. And this started to build somewhat of like a fan base. Now, here's the thing. Just because it built a fan base did not mean anyone wanted to work with me because of that, right? Because I, I wasn't nobody that nobody was reputable was talking about me. Now I did this for some years, didn't really gain any traction off of it. Randomly, um, I had a like I say I had a mentor, but there was yeah, there was a guy who he was doing this like these boot camps or whatever. And this at the time I was around my 21st birthday, and I have a girlfriend at the time. A friend of mine goes, if you really want to get good at this, you know, why are you still, why are you in a relationship when you, you haven't really got the skill yet? I was like, he was right. So I ended the relationship to go back to perfecting my, my craft. And I swore that by my 22nd birthday, I would be an instructor. So like for the next year, I just worked like a dog. I mean, I had a full-time job and I would be going out seven nights a week. I'd, I would literally, I would, I would be at, uh, be at work, reading online writing my field reports, taking uh, sales calls in between doing this stuff. Then what I would do after that would be, I would go out at night and I would be out from usually 10 till two. Then I would show, I would wake up at, I believe, like I knew it had to be like eight or something. Cause like I would, I would take naps at home because I'd be so sleepy. Probably I'd be going to work. And I did this every single day for a year. So there's a, there's a, there's a guy that has these free talk. And he, he, this guy is giving, trying to make us some sales pitch. I go up and I'm like, yo man, um, do you mind if I, uh, I work for you for free? I'm just willing to intern. The guy's like, oh, I'm not really looking for interns, but just come to this boot camp and we'll see. I don't have the money to afford the boot camp. I talk about, can we do down payments? Cause I'm just, I'm like looking for every single way to make this happen. The guy lets me make down payments. I show up to the boot camp. I don't have any money. Like, I don't have any money for me to have a place to stay. I don't have any, a car. Like I have like everything that like I should have is against me at this point. And I'm just taking a risk. Yeah. I go for the first seven days and I'm just like, 
this is my, this is my job interview. I need to show off to such a degree that this guy is like, damn, he's good. So I turn it on to an 11 and I just outshine every freaking student on the program, all the instructors. And he's like, you're fucking good. You're like really good. So then he goes, um, he hits me up, I think a week or so later and goes, I'm going to be leaving to go out of town. You know, would it be possible for you to come like watch my house? I'm like, cool. This dude did not tell me I have a job. My little brain was like, you've got a job, quit your job. I quit. <laughs> so I quit my job. <laughs> Same day, right? Yeah. I go to go watch this dude's house for a week. I watch his house, do everything I'm supposed to do, right? He comes back and he asks me, I think bef- I think either the day before or something, I'm going to leave. And he's like, yo, I'm looking for some interns. Would you want to just live here and work for me? Hell yeah, I will. And that's how I got my first start in the industry. Yeah. I worked for a guy for free for, for that neck for the next uh, two years. And then I got started getting offers from other people because of the connections he had. They were like, yo, you're really good. You should come work for me. Come, come be an instructor for me. That's how I started getting these offers. So I, you know, we ended up, me and him ended up having a falling out. I went to go work with another instructor that me and that instructor became, uh, we got like kind of tight and I was getting notoriety from him. So I started getting more offers from like other companies. And that, that's how I actually got my start. It wasn't this like straight line. Like if any, like some people just go, yeah. So like I went and I took a risk and I took all my money. And I'm like, I didn't do that. I came in, I was like, I'm going to intern for free because that's going to get my foot in the door. That internship is going to be able to turn into like an actual position where I'm going to make money as a coach. Yeah. Cause I didn't know what it took to be a coach. I didn't know all the business aspects of it. I was just really good at being able to teach and being a yeah. demonstrate, but that is completely separate from the business side. Uh, so uh, going back to so you so in your videos so that I watch from YouTube channel talk about like being high status. So can yeah. So we're, you see, so ask the question again. You were saying about becoming high status. Yeah. So okay, say how how would you define high status and like how would someone uh, like uh, like aspire to be there? Like what kind of things So you know it's interesting. Any if you ever look at the term high status, it's it's going to be such a very vague. You're going to get a bunch of vague answers about what status is. Status fundamentally, it's okay. So it so status is just perceived value. Yes. Right. So we look at like a McLaren or a Bugatti, right? When we look at the car, we project and we presume status upon that car. It's because everyone else around us has told us. That ha- that has value. We need to go after that. Yeah. So value or status is all subjective. If there's no other people to be able to give this innocuous thing value or status, we will not think it is to have status. So to become higher status, what your job is is to get other people to therefore say this person has status. So if it weren't for Everyone else talking about Mel Gibson as an actor, we wouldn't know who he is. So let's make this relevant to entrepreneurs. Whatever type of entrepreneur that you are, if you're a venture capitalist, if you are a hedge fund guy, if you are in real estate, if you are in tech, if you're in music, like whatever industry you were in, 
if you want to be deemed as high status, become the absolute best subject matter expert in that field. David yeah. Seclair in the world of anti-aging is high status. In the anti-aging field, he would be the rock star of that field, right? Whoever that guy is in real, in real estate, in whatever part of the world, that guy is high status. If everyone knows who that, everyone knows who that person's name is. Yeah. So what your job is, is in your field, become a subject matter expert where you know your shit Two. now get on social media and blow your message the hell up. Like grow your follower account on Instagram, grow your follower account on YouTube, grow it on every single freaking platform that's out there where everyone knows you as the guy. You are the fucking guy now. And you have to keep, you have to keep that up for the rest of your life. You cannot stop because for you to pee on the same level as Chris Brown, right? I'm sorry. You know, like people around the world know who most these celebrities are, right? In, in some sense. Yeah. So you're trying to get on par with like Elon Musk, right? And something like Donald Trump, right? You're trying to get yeah. on, the, you're trying to get on par with like being like the president of the fucking United States of the goddamn free country. If you were trying to get that level of notoriety, you need to be on every single social media platform to where you have a voice and an audience. You need to be in front of people all day long. Yeah. Like a podcast. So, um, yeah. So you talk about, you know, building a social, uh, social presence, like, you know, Instagram, so you have a lot of followers. And so uh, how would you advise someone, like, you know, what kind of things to like to set up properly on Instagram and like what kind of photos to put? So, I mean, when it comes to, when it comes to, so the thing with every social media platform, if this is, there's no nice way of saying this. Gary Vee is right about just putting out content, but he's also wrong. He's talking, the reason that Gary Vee talks about putting out content is to identify the type of message that you should be specifically putting out there. The yeah. problem is with that is that whatever you're trying to do, there's usually someone that has done it before. And on social media, social media, what social media does, it quantifies content that's really, really good. So anyone, so here's what social media does. Social media essentially picks, it picks out content and it picks out content that other people want to see and then sends it to other people going, you should watch this because other people who like you have enjoyed this. So what's going to happen is when it comes to social media, you need to, you do what's kind of called funnel hacking. You want to look at people who have really successful content and then what you want to do is you want to find out the pieces of content that are the most successful from them. And you want to copy that content because it yeah. gives you a better idea of what users on these platforms tend to care about from someone that's in that vertical or that niche you're going after. Yeah. Right. So that's number one. You see the content has to be really good Two, the video quality has got to be pretty amazing. So for the most part, when I tell most people, instead of just like, you know, like there's two sides of this too. When you first get on camera or you start writing or you start podcasting, you're usually going to suck at it. You're not going to be very good because you're not going to have, you're not going to have a confidence about putting out content yet. You're not going to, no one's really talking shit to you yet. So you're, what you're going to want to do is just keep pumping out content, keep pumping out content, keep pumping it out, keep pumping it out. But it needs to be good quality content, at least like video wise or like audio wise. Audio, you need to get you a really good mic. Make sure people, they can, they can hear you. Make sure it's clear. 
because these are going to be the things that are going to matter when it comes to putting out episodes. If the episodes are fucking the, the quality is complete trash, it's going to impact your, your viewership. No one's going to want to listen to it because the, your voice is not going to be as harmonious as it should be. Okay. So get really good audio, audio and visual equipment. That's going to be huge for you. When it comes to your message, you're not going to have the confidence yet. So usually what I tend to say, kind of copy somebody to, that you, that you like how they speak or you like how they teach and start to just copy that and mimic that because then you'll build your confidence kind of that way until you get, once you'll get to a place where you'll start to have your own philosophies about things and you know how to convey it in a way that's entertaining because social media is about entertainment factor. You need to be certain level of entertaining while, even if you're teaching somebody something, if it's not, if it's not, if it's not entertaining, no one's going to freaking listen to it. I'm sorry. Like it's just, <laughs> There's just not no one's yo man i i want to listen to this boring ass freaking podcast that's super technical right like some people love technical like podcasts but most people i'm gonna be honest with you i can think of academic researchers who are very knowledgeable and they're really smart but their shit is so boring to listen to it's like literally hearing it's like having your teacher with nails on the chalkboard and just and you're just like, oh my God, get out of my face. That's what it's like listening to most people when it comes to, if you're, especially when you're very knowledgeable, you want a knowledge bomb and just drop knowledge on people. But dude, people don't care. The people that are the most memorable are people that tell a lot of stories. They tell a lot of stories. They give a lot of analogies, a yeah. lot of comparisons and similes. And they also make you laugh. The knowledge that they have to teach has to be relatable. So, and I've learned this over the years because I remember going to some Toastmasters class and I remember going, I remember listening to all these people speak and I was like, God damn, they're so boring. And when I went, I was like, I need to make this lighthearted and kind of fun because if it's not fun, no one's going to listen. So it's got to get incorporated into my teaching style. And I used to look at who are the people I love to hear speak. They're usually really freaking funny. They're very good storytellers. So I started looking at those people and going, how can I start to, to copy how they speak, which then makes me more persuasive because I'm just so damn funny. And that's hard. Maybe that's hard to teach, but it takes skill to identify humor and what's funny and then how to make it dumb enough to where even the smartest person gets it, but also the dumbest person gets it. Okay. So, uh, so the first one is not a question. So it's like, uh, so like uh, what do you, so you can you tell all the things you do, like, you know, if there's, anything for my audience that you can help with uh, any kind of thing. So you can talk about that. And after that, I'll get to it. So I would say this. I mean, I guess to surmise everything that I've said and to recap it yeah. is everyone on here is an entrepreneur. If you're trying to live, if you're trying to build a really amazing life that you can have an abundance of women in it. And this is like, this is over for, clearly I teach males. If you're trying to have an abundance of women in your life, you have to orchestrate your lifestyle in a way that's going to give you access to women. So yeah. if you're, if you're biz, like whatever, like if whatever your business does, you need to start tying in your business to your, the social aspects of your life. So whatever you're doing, you know, set one to two days a week aside to where you host maybe a brunch or you host a dinner and you invite your successful friends that you want to connect with, as well as some beautiful women that you're probably interested in dating. I mean, you can use the dating apps to funnel women into these type of situations. You can use Instagram as well to be able to funnel women into these type of situations. You can do a lot of this stuff. And the, the easiest way just to get started is just organize typically like a dinner. And entrepreneurs typically, they usually are work hard, play hard people. 
like organize maybe a night out where you or a couple of your friends maybe go buy a table and you you bring some some of the girls with your entrepreneur friends and then that way everyone that's attending is getting something out of it because most entrepreneurs especially that are single ones enjoy pretty girls even the married ones still like being around pretty girls because it kind of floats their ego to have somebody to talk to yeah. number two don't go out of your way to do a lot of this different stuff just set the thing up and then every single person that you think is that you're attracted to that you want to meet bring bring them to that place you know, be yeah. the person that hosts and organize something. You'll be at your most attractive place and women will start to start to make it obvious they're attracted to you by you virtue of you being the leader of this. Now, there's a lot more nuance to this that I can go into, but just from a, from a simplicity point, for the sake of time, that's the first place I would start. Last thing I would say is this, is my, is my closing thoughts. Try what's supposed to work. If it doesn't work, you ignore it instead of trying it over and over and over and over. And then you try what shouldn't work. It's all right to go out on the deep end and see what's going to be there. Okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Try experiments. Try and see, see if I just break the rules, what's going to happen. This is how they, this is what they teach you in business school. This is what they teach you when it comes to, to being able to like, you know, get more success with the online company to hack your finances, to hack relationships, dating every single part of your life. You try what's supposed to work. If it doesn't work, you ignore it instead of trying it over and over again. Then try what shouldn't work. Flip yeah, the, like the, the common advice you're like Yes, that, that's, that is how I think. My whole thought process is systems thinking. If something I'm doing is not working, try what's not supposed to work and run an experiment and see what happens. Yeah. Because if you get a result with that thing that's not supposed to work, there's clearly something, there's some truth to it that maybe we just don't understand yet. And that's okay if it goes against the paradigm, but it works. So uh, final question. So what does freedom mean? What does freedom mean to me? Yeah. The ability to be, here's the thing. I have the ability to do what I want, when I want, on my terms, in the way that I want to do it. Yeah. But I choose, so therefore I choose to be controlled in the way that I do things. People okay. think freedom is the absence of control. No, true freedom comes from having control. Yeah. The more control you have, the more freedom that you're able to experience. Yeah, I think uh, someone said I don't remember the name uh, about like freedom is discipline. So, uh, yes. Okay, so uh, Max, so it's nice to meet you and it's great to have you here. Um, so it's uh, like thank you for coming. Um, Appreciate it. We Appreciate had a great conversation. Yeah. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. So it's great to meet you again. So we'll see you around. Thank you, brother. Talk soon. Okay. See you. Thank you for listening to our conversation. Don't forget to sign up twice if you need to send or receive money from abroad. Please leave a review and subscribe to the show. See you next time.